0: Today we start back in our sermon series, Rest in Peace, A Practical Plan for Peace. And as we begin today, as we start back, I want to remind you this morning, we have good news. Sometimes we forget to see that. Sometimes we get so pulled into the things of life, we miss the truth. We have good news. Now the good news is, whatever your life looks like right now, Whatever you are facing right now, whatever you are dealing with, you can live in peace. Now, that is good news. Whatever the situation is, as followers of Jesus Christ, as believers, we can live in peace. Maybe you're here today and you're consumed with regret and you wish you could go back and do some things over. Maybe you're living in guilt. Maybe you're facing anxiety and worry and stress over the things of life and you have a bunch of stuff coming up or, or maybe you're here and you're consumed with sadness and grief and, and no one may know it by the smile on your face, but maybe you hurt to your very core. Well, I want to tell you the good news is in Christ you can be found in peace. In Christ you can enjoy his peace. Now let me just go ahead and say that. That's this. This is not just a bunch of rhetoric. Sometimes we say a bunch of words and they're meant to sound good. This is not just a bunch of rhetoric. This is not just religious speak. This is reality. The truth is, the good news is, today you can enjoy the peace of Jesus Christ. That is our truth. Today is our third message in the series, the third sermon in the series. Again, our focal verse that we're working out of is found in John chapter 14, verse 27. We're going to look at some other verses with that today, but our our starting place, John chapter 14, verse 27. I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's Word. John chapter 14, verse 27. Jesus is speaking. He says this. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. Let me read that again. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today. We rejoice in you. We have hope today because we have a risen Savior. We have peace today at the promise of our Savior, Jesus. Lord, we have the forgiveness of our sin. We have restoration through the good news of our gracious Savior. Lord, I pray today as we have come, as we have assembled, that our hearts have turned to you, that our worship, our praises have gone up to you, that now that you would speak to us in the study of your word. I pray it wouldn't be normal. I pray it wouldn't be just a, a lecture again of passing on of information. But Lord, I pray that it would be a supernatural event where your living word, living and active in this day, speaks to your people today. Train us today, encourage us today. And I pray the fruit of that is that many would know you and that your name would be lifted high. Lord, have your way in our hour today. We love you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you remember in our verse today, Jesus is soon to go to the cross. That is the context. He's soon to go to the cross. These are some of his last words with his disciples, with his followers. Now, we know all sorts of uncertainty is ahead. Now, I want you to think about the things that these disciples are going to shortly walk through, the things that they will walk through after that. All sorts of trouble is ahead. All sorts of... Uncertainty is ahead. And he says, peace I leave with you. Now, remember the word for peace is a word that means held together or tied together in wholeness. It means not falling apart, not coming undone. Jesus says, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Now be sure today, the world has false peace. It likes to pretend that it has peace. It likes to package up something that looks like peace, but it is an empty peace. It is not true peace. But Jesus gives not as the world gives. That's what he says. Jesus gives true peace. Now here's the premise of the sermon series. If Jesus gives his followers peace, then his followers ought to have peace. And that is the premise of the entire sermon series. If Jesus has told us that he gives his followers peace, then we ought to exist in peace. We should have peace. Now, the the, the reality is, as a believer, we're not to exist, we're not to live, In the absence of peace. So here's the question today, and I want you to think about this. So do you have peace? I want you to consider that. I want you to think deeply about that. So do you have peace? Does peace characterize your life? What if I were to ask those that are close to you, are they marked by peace? Is that what you would say about them? Does peace characterize your life? Now, in the course of the study, I've come up with maybe a better question, and that question is this, do you truly want peace? And I think that's a better question, do you truly want peace? For a lot of people, the idea of peace sounds good. It sounds attractive. Yes, we've got all this stuff going on, and I've got all these worries. Yes, peace sounds like a good ideal. But when it comes down to it, the reality is, though peace sounds so attractive, they are so enamored with the things of the world, they are unwilling to do the things that bring peace. And I'll just tell you, I think that's the truth of our day. We have peace offered to us in the person of Jesus Christ But for some crazy reason, we're so drawn to the things of the world, so enamored with the things of the world, that we'd rather do those things, not let go of those things in order that we might have the peace of Christ. And so maybe the question for you today is this, do you really want peace? Have you had enough of the absence of it? Have you had enough of the drama and the turmoil and the worry, the anxiety? Have you had enough of that to the point that you could say, yes, here I am, and I truly want peace? Well, if you do want peace, here is a practical plan to live in peace. Now, I like application. I like practical steps. Well, here is an actual practical plan to live in peace. Now, starting off this morning, it's been a couple-week gap, I'm going to review what we've already covered, and then we're going to move on and add to the plan, add to our plan. So first, we're going to review the list, and then we're going to come back and add to the list. First, for the re- review. We start off to have peace. Number one, you have to know the prince of peace. That's the starting place to have peace. You have to know the prince of peace. The truth is, you will never find true and lasting peace outside of a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, that's, that's the reality. That's the truth. You will never find true and lasting peace outside of a relationship with Jesus Christ. It is not possible. You have to have trusted him for the forgiveness of your sins. You have to have received him by faith as your Savior. Now, what that means is you have to know what that means. You have to know what that entails. To have peace, you have to know the prince of peace. Now, let let me say this. If you're listening today, if you're here today, and you do not know Jesus like that, listen, trust him today. Turn to him today. He'll save you today. The truth of the gospel of Jesus is this. Any person calling upon the name of Jesus will be saved, and he will give you peace. Number one, to have peace, you have to know the prince of peace. Number two, to have peace, you have to walk with the giver of peace. Now, this is where it becomes a little bit more difficult. This is where we have to actually put it into practice. To have peace, to enjoy peace, you have to walk with the giver of peace. Now, this is talking about living a Christ-centered life. As a follower of Jesus Christ, you will experience peace when you live a Christ-centered life. Colossians chapter 2 verse 6 says, Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. As you've received him as your Savior, as you've named him as your hope, as you've received Jesus, so now live in him. So now walk in him. This means having trusted Jesus, we now walk with him. We now walk with him in obedience. We walk with him seeking his direction. We now walk with him seeking, living for the honor of his name. It means we live a life directed by him, dedicated to him and for his glory. It is to lead a Christ-centered life. Now, I want to tell you what's silly is that we would put our faith in Christ but not turn our focus to Jesus, not give him the position as Lord in our life. There is peace in walking with Jesus as the center and the focus of your life. Friends, I said this a couple weeks ago. I want to say it again, and we, we need to be sure of this. Jesus has the best way to live. Sometimes we think we'll, we'll improve upon that. Sometimes we think, well, this is some heavy burden, a, a rule, this is some legalistic thing. Listen, Jesus has the best way to live. He has the best way to have relationships. He has the best way to to establish a home, a marriage. He has the best way to raise kids. He has the best way to handle your finances. He has the best way to deal with your neighbors. He has the best way to serve in the church. Jesus has for us the best way to live. He's not trying to rob your happiness from you. He's not trying to place a burden on you. In living for Him, there is joy, there is blessing, and there is peace. Second thing, to have peace, we have to walk with the giver of peace. Third thing that we saw, to have peace, we have to shut out whatever is in conflict with peace. Another very practical step, a step we have to be intentional in doing. To have peace, to enjoy peace, we have to shut out whatever is in conflict with peace, whatever is in opposition to peace, whatever brings the opposite of peace, we have to be deliberate and cut that out of our life. Now, let me give you some examples. That could be a person. That could be a person. They steal your peace, and they're so foul, and they're so mean that they mess up the peace that Christ has for you. It could be a person It could be an influence, and there's a whole lot of influences. It could be the things of the world, the things of your life. But if there's anything that is taking your peace in conflict with peace, you have to separate from that thing. Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9, listen to this. Finally, brethren, talking about Christians, whatever is true, Whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you Now, the, the picture from that message was poison. When you take in poison, or if someone were to administer poison to you, you would become sick. You would be harmed. Eventually, if you took in enough poison, you would die. Well, the picture is how many of us with the things that rob our peace, the things that are in conflict with our peace are poisoning ourselves. We're taking in music and TV and shows and and hours on social media and people that are foul around us and other ungodly influences, and we are actually poisoning ourselves. To have peace, you have to cut off and cut out the things opposed to peace. The fourth thing, this is where we left off last time, the fourth thing in our list, to have peace, you have to take back the Lord's day. Now, that may, be, may seem unexpected, but that's the truth. To have peace in your life, you have to take back the Lord's day. Now, if you remember, it's two weeks ago, we saw in the early church, the Lord's day The first day of the week, the day that the church celebrated a risen, resurrected Savior, our Sunday was given to the assembled, gathered, communal worship of Jesus to fellowship with believers and to together study the Word of God. Go back and read the book of Acts. Go see the epistles of Paul. The first day of the week, the day they celebrated a resurrected Savior, was given to the assembled communal worship of Jesus. Hebrews chapter 10 tells us, and all the more in these days as Jesus prepares to come back, as our world goes crazy, and all the more it tells us we cannot forsake our assembling together as is the practice of some. I want you to be sure of this. And and, and just listen, here it is what it is. The Lord's Day, according to the biblical precedent, is not a day to catch up. And we got so much stuff to do today, we're, we're, we're behind from last month. And we're behind from last week. And we've got all these things to take care of. I want to tell you, the Lord's Day is not a day to catch up. It's not a day to get ahead. You know, and I'll get this done, and I'll get the yard done, and I'll get some stuff squared away. I'll go by, and we'll take care of these things. It is not a day to get ahead. It's not a day to take up the things of the world. Look what the world's doing. It's not worshiping Jesus. The Lord's day is not a day to take up, to invite in, to participate in the things of the world. Our priority, the priority, is together and to worship Jesus. And when we do, listen, we set the pattern for the week. What's this week going to look like? You set the pattern on Sunday. You set the priority for the week. Listen, our life is a whole bunch of events setting the priority for the week. When you worship on the first day of the week, you're saying, as for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. You're setting the priority on the first day of the week. And listen, when you do that, we find and we enjoy peace. We need to hear it again, so listen to me. When we run and go and chase and spend and work and are distracted and we neglect the gathered worship of the church, isn't that what people do? When we do those things, we start the week tired, we start the week stressed out, and we start the week not walking in peace. It's not some rule. It's not some rule. It's not legalism. It is the best way to live. Some of y'all say, well, that's a danged old Baptist preacher. He has to say that. Let me make you a promise. Let me make you a promise. <laughs> and, I, and go find out. Let me, let me make you a promise. Those that are here today are going to have a better start to their week than those that aren't. And I'll just promise you that. Man, it looks like they did this and they did that and we got pictures of the barbecue and the cookout and the trip and the whatever. I want to tell you this. Those who endeavor to be in the corporate worship, the communal worship of Jesus together in this service are going to have a better start to their week than those that did not. It is the best way to live. All right, now we're going to move on. Now we're going to add to our list. Those four things, now we're going to add to the list. The fifth thing, to have peace, this is new information. The the fifth thing, to have peace, is this. We have to take it to the top. I'm talking about prayer. To have peace, we have to take it to the top. I'm going to read Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Now, we're going to be in these verses for the rest of the service. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Listen to the words. Be anxious. Do you see that? Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, there's about four sermons there. We're not going to go that slow, but I want you to listen to those words again. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, I want you to see this, and I think it's worth noting, and I think it's very valuable for us today. This is a formula. These two verses are a formula. God says through his word, when you do verse 6, you will have the result of verse 7. This is a promise of God. This is a formula that if we'll do the one thing, we will see The other thing, I want you to listen to the verse again. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. That's what we do. Here's the result. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. First, let's look at the result. I'm going to do it backwards. Let's look at the promise of verse 7. Let's look at it piece by piece. It says, and the peace of God, the peace of God. Now, remember that word. It translates harmony. It translates wholeness. It is tied together. We are not unraveling. We are not coming undone. Now, how often does it feel like that? how often does it feel like, well, these two things happen or these five things happen or the doctor said this and all of a sudden we're out of control and things are unraveling, coming undone. You ever have a day when nothing goes right and another thing hits and another thing hits and you're just frantic? This says it's the opposite of that. We're not coming undone. We are tied together. And the peace of God, now listen to these words, which surpasses. And the peace of God, which surpasses? It comes from a word that translates, rises above, goes beyond, or is above. This peace of God, the Bible says, God says, it surpasses. It goes beyond. It goes above. The next line is this, all comprehension. This word translates reason or understanding. And so the peace of God is above understanding. That's literally what this verse says. It literally means the peace of God is not able to be understood. We can't grasp it. We're not able to figure it out. We may look at it. We may survey it. We may try to intellectually evaluate it. But the peace of God surpasses, goes beyond what we're able to comprehend. It says, the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, it says this, will guard. Now, that word means to hold in custody, to keep. Now, it has two different sides to the coin. It is defensively guarding, and it is offensively guarding, taking the aggressive. And so, the peace of God, which we cannot understand, which supersedes our understanding It guards our hearts and our minds. Our hearts, our emotions, our minds, our thoughts, our intellect are held, are kept in peace. It says, in Christ Jesus. Let me read all verse 7 again. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, let me try and explain this. Let me try to make this where we can understand it. When we have the peace of Christ Jesus, we have peace in our hearts and in our minds that surpasses, that rises above our understanding. And when we have the peace of Christ, we are held in that. We are kept in that. Now, what that means, what that looks like is this. When days are smooth, we have peace. When days are good, we have peace. But it also means when days are hard, when days are bad, when the diagnosis is terrible, when our health is failing, When death has come and has crushed in on us, when the way seems unbearable, when sadness overtakes us and breaks our hearts, we are held in Jesus in a peace that the world can't give, that the world can't duplicate, though tries it might, it can't replicate. And though it is hard, though we don't understand it, the truth is, as believers of Jesus Christ in Jesus, we are kept in his peace praise the lord for that that's why abraham could walk his son to the altar that is why david could move forward in the loss of his infant infant son that is why the widow could throw in her last might It is why the woman of Shunem, when asked, is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with your son? It's why she could say, even though her son was dead, it is well. It is because the peace of God surpasses, rise above all comprehension. When sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, Even so, even so, it is well with my soul. That is what we have held in Christ Jesus. Praise the Lord, that's His promise. All right, so let's go back up to verse 6 and see what brings that. Be anxious for nothing. We're an anxious people these days. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, we can we break that down for a while. I'm going to move fast. Let your requests be made known to God. Let your requests be made known to God. Be made known to God. Here we go. To have peace, we have to take it to the top. Now, there's two parts of that. First is this. To have peace, you have to know who to take it to. That's the first thing. To have peace, you have to know who to take it to. Now, here's the problem. There is no relief and there is no remedy in taking it to the wrong person. You have to know how to take it to because if you take it to the wrong person, you're not going to find an answer. There is no relief. There is no remedy when we go to the wrong person. Something goes wrong in our life. We don't take it to the top, we take it to the world. Something goes wrong in our life, we take it to the experts and see what they might say about it. Something goes wrong in our life, we take it to the gossip circle and talk it into the ground. Something goes wrong in our life, and we take it everywhere, but to the one who can provide the remedy, the one who can give relief, the one that actually says, bring it to me. Now I want you to see this. Do you know? Do you see? That's what God is telling us to do here. That's what God's telling us to do here. Bring it to me. Things are hard. Bring it to me. You don't understand. Bring it to me. You can't do anything about it. Bring it to me. Don't be anxious. God says, bring it to me. To have peace, we have to know who to take it to. Here's the best part. Second part is this. You have to know who you're taking it to. Now, it's different. Notice that. First thing, you have to know who to take it to. Taking the wrong person doesn't help you. But if you're going to have peace, you have to know who you're taking it to. Does it matter if we pray? Does it matter if we seek God's help? Who am I talking to? Who are we beseeching? Who are we asking of? Listen, you have to know. Listen, you have to know who you're taking it to. Well, I want, I want you to see this. And it's, it's awesome. It's tremendous. Here's, here's who we're taking it to. From God's word, we know of God, he is the creator of all things. He is the sustainer of all things. He is the ruler over all things. From God's Word, we know that He has all power, all knowledge, and all wisdom. From God's Word, we know that He is perfect in righteousness, perfect in justice, and perfect in holiness. Now, not just perfect, but infinite in all of those things. Now, I want you to start to try to understand that if you can. Infinite, immeasurably infinite great in all of those things. He is infinite in all those things. From God's Word, we know that He is limitless in might. We know that He is limitless in strength. God's Word says He does not grow tired, He does not sleep, nor does He slumber. From God's Word, we know He is limitless in grace and mercy. Now, I want to tell you that's good news for us as sinners. When we've sinned, when we need God's grace and mercy, he doesn't have a limit. There's not a cap. He doesn't run out. He tells us there's a new batch every morning. From God's word, we know God is great. We know God is good. Listen to me. From God's word, we know God is love. From God's word, we know that he is kind, slow to anger, desiring for all to be saved. He desires for all people to find relief in the person of Jesus Christ. From God's Word, we know that He is our shepherd and we shall not want. We know that He is the deliverer, the rock, the strong tower, a very present help, in a day of trouble. From God's Word, we know He is trustworthy. He is faithful. He is unchanging. He is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He does not change. Great is Thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. From his word, we know that God is the God who sees Elroy. He is the God who heals. Listen, you're talking to the God who heals, Jehovah Rapha. He is the God who provides. You're talking to the God who provides, Jehovah Jireh. Oh, listen to me. From God's Word, the one that we're talking to is the God who saves. In Hebrew, Yeshua Joshua. In Greek, it is Jesus. Friends, I could go on this morning, but I want you to hear me. That is the God that we are taking it to. That is the God. Who hears our prayers? That is the God who says, Bring it to me. And when your heart is broken and when trouble is brewing, that is the God who will give you peace. That is our God. That is our God. Heals, sees, cares, loves, saves, delivers. That is our God. Praise the Lord this morning have peace we can take it to the top let's pray dear me, father we come and I'm so thankful today in a messed up world in a floundering world in a world spinning to destruction a world that hurts us in a world where we have shame and guilt and regret things that break our heart when we sleep we don't even talk about I'm thankful, Lord, that there's a Prince of Peace. And I'm thankful that there's a Lord of life that gives us peace, not as the world gives, not as the world can even understand, but gives us peace, the forgiveness of sin, peace, reconciliation with the Holy God, peace, new starts today. Lord, I thank you for that. I praise you for that. Lord, I pray for two things to come out of this. I pray first for some who are here who have no peace who are striving, who are struggling, who have no peace because they do not know Jesus. I pray in the hearing of the good news of a gracious Savior risen from the dead that today they would turn to you on this very day and find peace. I pray, Lord, that's the fruit of this day. Maybe in this room, maybe somewhere else, Lord, but I pray that they longing, hurting, outside of peace would find peace today. And I pray the, the other part of that is those of us that have the peace of Christ would stand in it, would remember it, would be people of prayer. We would take it to God and that we would have the peace that surpasses all understanding. Lord, help us Help us be reminded of that. And Lord, I pray the fruit of both of those things will be to lift high the Prince of Peace, our Savior, Jesus, that you'd be known and that you'd be glorified. Lord, we come in this time of invitation and I pray, Lord, that you would move that you would continue to speak, and that hearts and minds would hear that this would be the day of their salvation, that the hindrances would be removed, and they would turn to you, Lord, and be saved today. Lord, I pray that you would facilitate that. I pray that this service, this message has facilitated and I pray now that it would bear fruit. Lord, we, we come and we just tell you we love you, we thank you, we exalt you, we praise you, and we worship you, and I pray in Jesus' name Amen. We're going to close our service with a time of response, a time of invitation. And I I want to tell you, if you're listening today and you've never trusted Jesus, the good news of the gospel is this, you can turn to him today. He'll forgive you of your sin today. He'll restore you in a right relationship wearing his righteousness before a holy God today. He'll save you today. And you know the fruit of all that is he will give you peace today. If you've never trusted Jesus, do it today. The Bible says all of us have sinned. In our sin, we've earned a punishment. Jesus comes and he takes that punishment, takes the full wrath of God towards sin, the punishment of death that's poured out on him. He dies on a cross, paying your penalty, paying mine. That's a settled fact. They take him off of that cross, he is dead. He has died paying the penalty for sin, for sinners, my penalty and your penalty. They place him in a grave. And three days later, he walks out of that grave and he stands as the risen Savior, alive, victorious, the hope of sinners. I want to tell you the good news of the gospel is this. Trust him today. Believe upon him as your Savior for your sin problem, and he'll save you today. If you've never done that, do that today. Call out to him today. He'll save you today. Maybe you're here in this service and you've made that decision, but you've never fought on believer's baptism. In the New Testament, it's always after a person is saved, never before it, never as part of it. It's it's a sign, a symbol of what we believe of Jesus in celebration of the testimony that we have of Jesus. And so maybe you're here and you've never followed the the command of Christ to obey and follow and walk in obedience through baptism. And so you come and we'll set a day to be a great day of celebration, pointing to our Savior, Jesus. Maybe you're here and you're looking for a church home and you've prayed about it and you believe God has led you here. You come as well and together we'll serve his name and we'll preach his word, and we'll uphold the best we can his glory until he comes again, that many might be saved, that many would find him. God's led you in that, you come as well. Together we'll unite, and we'll serve him together. Maybe you're here on this day, and you say, oh, you know what? I'm a, I'm a follower of Christ. You know what? I've, I've done those things, but sometimes I give up my peace. I, I'd like to be restored in that peace. Maybe you need to come, and as our verse said in verse 6, you need to come and just pray. Maybe you want to come pray with me. Maybe you want to pray here at the altar. God will bless you in peace. He said he would. As we end this service, I'm going to ask that no one move about or stir about or head for an exit. Truly the most important time of our service the time to respond to God's word. As we stand to sing, if God has spoken to you, if you have a decision to make, you step out. And you come on. I'll meet you here. You come on. I'll meet you here. <laughs>